0: every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the
1: Word of God. Good morning everybody. I'm excited for two reasons today. One, Kenny and I are tag-team preaching.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's been a while since we've done this and I, I can't wait to dust the cobwebs off. It's gonna be fun. Secondly, I'm super excited because today we're talking about something really, really exciting. Church membership. Yeah. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you're like, that has all the excitement of standing in line at Costco to get my prison portrait done on a flimsy plastic card. But no, seriously, we're stoked about it. And here's why. Um, our church has been, we've been growing a lot lately, which is awesome, right? It's, that's exciting. Healthy things grow. I look at my kids. Oh, you know, I was hanging out with my dad yesterday. Some of you guys got to meet my dad at Nancy's graduation. Yes. He's Six foot seven, three hundred and none of your business pounds. And he's a big dude, right? And he he's grown to that height. Well, I remember I was growing up. I had uh, growing pains. Anybody experience those? Yeah. God, am like crazy, man? And now I see my boys growing up. And Ivan. Getting growing pains, he's 14, he's nice and tall, and Gavin is perfectly where he's supposed to be as a five-year-old. And he's very healthy for his age, right? But if Gavin stayed at that height, and was still 20 years old, we would say, hey, there might be something wrong. He wasn't getting the nutrition, he wasn't getting the things he needs for his growth. Because healthy things grow everywhere in, in in our ecosystem, everywhere in the world. And uh, as our church is growing, one of the things we want to do is make sure that we put in the proper supports for growth. You know, when you have a vine, sorry, take a seat. I mean, uh, <laughs> Everyone else is. Have you guys seen a vine growing in a garden? Normally, if, if you care for that vine, what do you set up? A trellis. It's a, it's a structure that's there to support the vine as it grows so it bears healthy fruit. Otherwise, the vine's just laying on the ground and gets trampled right? But you don't want an overbearing trellis that's going to crush the vine. In the same way, we want to build healthy, supportive organizational structures in the church that support all this organic growth that God has been giving us. So I'm I'm super excited to talk about church membership today because church membership helps us all grow together. Because first of all, we submit to God and we commit to one another, and then we're sent out on mission together as a family in this world, and when that happens, as we do that, we experience more growth personally, and we experience more growth communally than ever before, so we need to talk about why the Bible mandates membership, not just for churches to grow healthy, but for you and I to grow healthy too, right? You guys, with me? Yeah. Cool. So there's two primary metaphors in Scripture about, you know, a healthy church, a healthy body, and, and the Bible says we're members of a family and we're members of one body, right? So that's that's kind of the two major metaphors.
2: Yeah. So um, think about a family um, when, and just think about the universal family of humanity with me for a second. So when a baby is born they're automatically a member of the family of humankind. Would we agree? Yeah. yeah. It's, there's, something, there's a connection. There's in common. They're made in the image of God. I can relate with them no matter what. They're part of the family of humanity. But if that child is going to grow and mature and learn and reach their potential and be a, a healthy child and grow into an adult, they've got to have not just be a part of the universal family of humanity <laughs> – They've got to have parents or they've got to have a family. They've got to have guardians. They've got to have a specific family with a last name that's going to take care of them and raise them up and help them grow and, and discover their gifts with them. In the same way, Christians, uh, that, that applies to us as well. Because when, when you're saved by grace through faith, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you, there's, there's no one here who says, yeah, he can be part of the family of God. She can be part of the family of God. No, you automatically become part of that. God adopts you in and brings you in and says, this is my son and my daughter. But if a Christian is going to grow and mature and, and reach the potential that everything that God intends for that Christian to be, they need a specific family, a, a local church body family to belong to. Um, and so that's why, as Vince said, we're excited to talk about church membership. I'm excited that we are our tag team preaching again. It's been a long time, so um, if we're rusty, forgive us. But um, we're excited about church membership because church membership helps us all grow. And for us, as the leaders of this church, we're convinced that church membership is going to help us help you grow. As we're talking about formal membership, you know, we're three years into a church plan, and that's something that we haven't done. And it's not like we're—it's it, something that we're going to impose on the church, but it's something to say, hey, let's recognize what God's already done. Let's recognize the commitment that's already there, and let's um, let's grow together. Mm-hmm. So, what it essentially means to grow through um, being part of a church is through family commitment. So, that's two ways. It's it's the the uh, a member commits to the family, and that's a way that they grow through their commitment to the church family. But it's also The church family's commitment to each and every member to care for and hold accountable and encourage and when you're part of a local church it means that you're not a lone ranger christian but you have a family to belong to you have a way to fill out this mission of god that he sent us on to make disciples you're not just out there trying to make disciples on your own. No, you're part of a family to fulfill the mission of God together here in San Diego. You have the opportunity to learn your spiritual gifts that God's given you and practice those and be built up and encouraged in those. And being a church member means knowing who who you're following, knowing, hey, we're going somewhere. That this is this is the church where I want to grow. This is the church where I want to belong. This is the church where I want to go in this direction and and grow up into who God's me to be.
1: Yeah, and so in addition to uh, the family metaphor, the other main metaphor that we're going to hang out in today here from Ephesians 4, from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, is this idea that the church is a body. Everybody say body. 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 Yeah. So the main metaphor is that the church is a body, and that's what we just read in the text. Question, what can we learn from this text about relating to one another? This metaphor of a body. Well, there's a few things. And, and, and Firstly, a, a body is much more useful when it has a head. Right? Have you guys ever seen a chicken flopping around in the yard without a head on? No? Maybe. You yeah. guys all... I haven't either, but you I've heard remember. about it. I hear it's horrifying, right?
2: If you've seen it, you would remember. Yeah, I've it's seen it's
1: definitely. So, so we need a head. And, and the first point of today's profound message for you, is this. Everybody has a head. Amen. Amen? You guys with me? And look at verse 15 here in the text, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ.
2: Right, so over and over throughout the New Testament, Um, Vince brought this up The the Bible talks about uh, It gives these metaphors for a local church And one of the ones that comes up over and over is body And the Greek word for that by the way uh, Many times is soma Uh, And many of you guys know we're a soma church We're part of the soma family of churches And that's why they chose that name Because it means body of Christ And there's this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 That talks about the different members of the body And is speaking about a local church getting along and 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 Basically, it goes and say, if, if you're all members of one body, the foot can't say to the eye, hey, I don't need you because we're, we're not quite alike. We don't really get along. Like, I don't need my eyes. Anyone tracking? <laughs> no, they have to get along, right? And the eye can't say to the hand, like, hey, we got this covered. We can see everything. We don't need you. We're cool. Let's just do our own thing. We can't do that because we, as a body, as a local church, belong to one another. A local church is like a body where every member um, blesses the other members and also benefits from the other members. Mm. Right? It's not all give and all take. It's we all are blessed and benefited by the other members of the body. Let me ask you this. What good is a foot by itself?
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. Well... Another way, if you're walking out there, you're coming into Roosevelt in the morning and you see a human foot on the sidewalk. And it may look, sorry, I had to take it there. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you, you see this and it's, there's no body around, it's just a foot. It looks really clean, the shoes are really nice on it. Um, there's, but you're not gonna do anything with it, right? You can't walk anywhere with it, because why? Because it's dismembered from the body. And, and let's, let's
1: be clear, if you do see that, guys,
2: Call nine one one.
1: one one There's no, probably a high likelihood of foul play. Something has gone wrong. Yeah, that
2: normally doesn't happen. Um, there was that one time. No. no, but sorry to use so blunt of an example, but basically what I'm trying to say is this. Jesus died to make us his body.
1: Yeah.
2: Not a pile of dismembered body parts doing our own thing. Like, hey, God's given me this gift, but I'm not committed. This, I don't have a, a local family. No, he died to make us his body. And if we're a body, then who's in charge? Where's the authority? Where's the control center? Who's the head, right? And when you're talking about the church, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, the senior pastor of this church is not Vince. And it's not Kenny it's Jesus and as as elders of this church we submit to Jesus and and we submit to each other as we're submitting to Jesus and as members of this church we submit to Jesus who is an authority and who we answer to um, New city from from uh, from the beginning we tried to model this in, in in the way that we lead together with shared leadership and with servant leadership and we're going to continue to do that um, because that's the way that God has set up the church, and because that's the way that gives God glory. Yeah. When we submit to him and say, God, lead this church. Be the head of your body.
1: Mm. There we go. So how do we do that practically? And just a brief note on that. Like you say, that's great. It's a, nice, it's a nice sentiment to say you submit to Jesus as the head. But how are you guys practically doing that on a day-to-day basis? Well, here's how our church does it a couple ways. First of all. We try to make the gospel, we we try to keep the main thing the main thing, right? And the main thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we try to do everything that we're doing, whether it's when we're preaching a sermon, we try to highlight the good news of the gospel, whether it's counseling or teaching, or setting up structures in the church, we try to make the gospel the center. And secondly, we don't just stop there, but we say, Holy Spirit, what's next? You're the pastor of this church, we're following you, we want to follow the Holy Spirit in everything, He's doing, right? That's that's the whole point of being a church so uh, one of our core values here at New City is that structure submits to spirit structure submits to spirit, that means if the spirit's leading us to do something different, we are going to follow the Holy Spirit as leaders we're going to submit to what he says so uh, one question I would challenge you guys to ask just an aside, in your personal life and Kenny preached on this uh, wow, it was a long time ago like a year ago but he preached on following the you Spirit. You remember. I, said, I, I do. Yeah, he said, ask this question every day of your life. Holy Spirit, what's next? Holy Spirit, what is next? What are you leading me to do? What's the next step in my life? So we try to do that regularly here. The second point, every body has a head. And then, of course, every head has a body, right? That's point this number two.
2: Basic human anatomy today. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You guys ready for that? Right. This
2: is what my biology degree got me. So, so,
1: so.
2: <laughs> I'm part this to... Let's dive back into the text. Ephesians 4, verse
1: 16. From Him, right? So we're talking about the head who is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See that? So if a body is healthy... It's going to be growing. And first of all, in order to have health, you have to be connected to the head of the body, right? You have to be letting Jesus be the only pastor, the senior pastor of the church. But secondly, there's some points to mine out here about what a body is like. So first of all, the church is a body, right? Ed Stetzer says it this way. He says, membership is just a reflection of the organic community that already exists in the body of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And like Kenny was saying earlier, Paul says to the church in First Corinthians, can any one part of the body say to another, hey, I'm not part of you. I don't need you. No, it's already a part. But here's the deal. Too often, if we're honest, I think we live separated. Especially here in the West. right? With yeah, As a culture, we value individualism. right? And we, uh, I, Maybe it's a symptom of our Western culture and, and individualism. Maybe it's because... Uh, some of us struggle with personal pride. We don't feel like we need anybody else. I've got this on my own. Or maybe it's because you've been burned. I think like a lot of us in this room, if we're honest, we've experienced abusive authority and abusive power in our life. Whether it's vicariously through the government, watching the news and seeing politicians or police or, or other people who are supposed to be in authority, supposed to be caring for those under their authority, and yet they're abusing that power. Or maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it's a boss that you had that was just a jerk. right? I've had that boss. I've been that boss actually before too, so that's a whole other story. Right? And then, and then maybe, it's, maybe it's that when you get burnt, um, even parents at times, all kinds of people in our life who have had positions of authority where they were supposed to care for us, where they're supposed to love us and give themselves for us and protect us. Abuse that authority. Abuse that position. That's why, like, you guys see the Obey shirts walking around the city? Everybody loves Shepherd Ferry and the Obey propaganda. Why is that such a hit? Because it's ironic, right, Obey authority, because none of us really trust authority in this culture. We have a problem with trusting authority. We are, even our nation is like a rebel nation, right, that broke off from the alliance and... Sorry, I watched Star Wars TV. (laughs)
0: There's
1: probably a thousand reasons why we struggle with this, but here's the deal. Today's scripture challenges us, regardless of why, to say God has created you for community. God has created you for community. When God created the world, every stage of creation in Genesis 1, he says, it is good. Let there be light, and he saw the light, and he said, it was good. And the last thing he made was man and he said it's not good that man is alone I'm going to create somebody for him we we were literally created for community with God and with one another we need each other the church is a body and you're not dismembered body parts because that's just that's just gross (laughs) that's just gross
2: it is. And uh, <laughs> I think what's, what's key to note in this, in, in the fact that the, that the Bible calls the local church a body of believers, is that Vince highlighted on it, we're so used to living as dismembered lives and not saying, hey, this is, this is my church, this is where I'm committing. And, and we see that in our culture all the time. But we're so used to it. But in the natural world, I think that's why this, the metaphor the scripture gives us is amazing because we would never, you know, when we see it in real life, it wouldn't be natural. Right? I I don't know if anyone remembers this, but when I was a teenager, Wendy's the restaurant chain had a had a real problem um, because someone in the drive thru ordered a bowl of chili. Does anyone remember this? And when they ate their chili, their staring back at them was a thumb. A human thumb. Right. Now all of you are grossed out by that, right? And I am too. But But we're
1: still going to Wendy's. We're still
2: (laughs) everyone meet there. They've been redeemed. No, but all of us are grossed out by that. But when we see it spiritually, we're like, oh yeah, that's normal. When we see dismembered spiritual bodies, we're just used to seeing that. We're not pained, right? But it, that's why it's so important to highlight this. Like, hey, God has called us a body. Let's belong. Let's mutually commit to each other. And, and as we're going through this, this section, Vince and I are highlighting some of the things that we see in Scripture that we feel called to bring before our church family today. For this season and God's put this on our hearts. So I pray that you would just keep walking through us as we um, go to that. The next point is that the body that we've been talking about is a covenant community, a covenant community. What does that mean? It means we commit to one another that we that we make a covenant that we commit to say, hey, this is the place I want to grow. These are the leaders I want to follow. These are the people I want pouring into me and caring about me. This is where I want to use my spiritual gifts. And, and where do we see in Scripture um, a few things that we see that, that give us a hint that some kind of formal membership has to be a part of the church in a few things that uh, the New Testament talks about? One of those is, is – um, well, those are both church discipline and something like excommunication, right? So you see those in the New Testament that – You find in Paul's letters and you find in some of Jesus' teachings that they were putting people out of the body for a time, like for the hope that they would repent and come back and be restored, right? So that there was a process for putting people out of the body and bringing people into the body. And yet, how do you – it's really hard to get around the scriptures pointing out that, hey, there's a way to know whether you're part of the church or not part of the church. Yeah, There's something – someone knows whether you're part of the – or not. But for most churches today, there's no way to tell whether you've been put out of the body because no one's really in the body, because we haven't made a covenant together. Is that is that making sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And then with 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 without this some kind of church membership, you know, whether you're talking about excommunication or whether you're talking about church discipline, it wouldn't exist. But Jesus commands us in Matthew eighteen, He commands us to take heavy matters to the church. I want you to listen real quick. We have it on the screen, Matthew 18. And this is our model at this church, what we do when there are conflicts. How many others know there's conflicts in the church? <laughs> Things come up, any, time, any group of people, right? All right, so Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen... You take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. The whole goal here is to reconcile when there's conflict. And I want you guys to imagine with me that this is you in the conflict, all right? Because if it hasn't happened yet, it may. And, and I'm looking at people in the room that we have had conflicts, right? And, and all right, I'm going to keep reading. Um <laughs> Right, So you, you try to solve it by yourselves, then you try to bring two or three into it. And then if they still refuse to listen, Jesus says, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I, wanna, I, I just want to point out with this, this is where it gets real. This is where the rubber meets the road. When someone has sinned and is not willing to repent, and yet they're claiming to be following Jesus, that causes division in the church. And that's part of why God has given the church leaders to protect the unity of the church and to call people to live holy lives for their own good, right? And so when Jesus says take it to the church, let me ask you, in that kind of sensitive situation, if you're in that situation, who do you want it to be brought to? Do you want it to just be anyone who kind of shows up and says I'm a Christian and you know, I came to like seven Sundays in a row here, so I'm part of the church? Or do you want to take it to people who have, who members who have committed and said, "This is my church, and I want to grow, and I want to be held accountable when I'm out of line, and I want people to pour into me." Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, for us, when we look at that, if there's no church membership, how can you define that group that's going to take up the sensitive, weighty matters of, of our lives that come up? They will come up, and and. It, 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 Honestly, this is a part where Vince and I were talking that we, we want to repent, just even in our leadership, for not having um, some kind of formal membership already because we see that as a proactive way of loving the people of this church. Yeah. And we're saying, hey, why, why, why haven't we done this already? Why haven't we given people an opportunity to grow by saying, I'm committing here, and I want to grow here, and I want to be held accountable. I want to be pointed towards Jesus in the tough situations. Amen.
1: I think, it's, yeah, I just, I just want to echo that and say um, one of the things we try to do every week when we get up here, when we stand, when we preach a sermon is not preach at people about something that we're perfectly living, mm-hmm. but come under the word and say, here's a lot of areas in my life where I'm honestly, I haven't been believing this. I haven't been living like this is true. And one of those is church membership. I feel like in our culture, there's such a fear of commitment. And that we just kind of avoid this topic. And I think that we've just kind of said, oh, we'll just kind of have a loose membership through missional communities. And it hasn't served the church well, to be honest. And so, like, we're standing up here today and repenting for not leading in that. And I'm I'm excited about taking this step because I know all the good that's going to come of it. And that's one of the third things, hopefully, is that that covenant community needs leaders. Leaders to provide, leaders to equip, leaders to protect. Look at um, verses 11-13 of Ephesians 4 that we just read as our text. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. Just one obvious point that's there is that we haven't arrived yet. We're not fully mature. If we were, we would look like Jesus more. To the degree that you don't look like Jesus, you haven't fully matured, and I haven't fully matured, right? So that's the first kind of obvious point that he makes here. But the second point is about leaders. The leaders are given to the church to grow church members, to build them up in their giftedness that God has given. God God has given you as a gift to his church. And the question is, are you stewarding that gift well? And are we providing an environment to help grow you in that? Notice it doesn't say that the ministers do all the works of ministry. We don't just do the ministry. It says that the ministers of the church, that the leaders of the church, are given to equip God's people to do the works of ministry. What's that look like? Well, leaders of the church are commanded to care for the members in the church as those who will give an account ever think about that? That the pastor of the church has to give an account for your soul. That one day we will stand before God and give an account for the people that we've been called to love and shepherd. Look at Hebrews 13. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy not a burden for That would be of no benefit to you. Here's the point. The Bible tells us as pastors, we're going to give an account to God for people under our care. How are we going to know who we're giving an account for if there's no mutual commitment? Are we giving an account for every Christian in San Diego or the world or everybody who's ever walked through on a Sunday or hung out with us? Who are we giving an account for? Sure, we can love and care for people. And we're called to. I think whoever God places in our path, we're called to love and care for. And specifically, this is talking about people who we're commanded to shepherd and love. The Bible says we're commanded to shepherd the flock. And that's, the flock is another metaphor that the the Bible uses for the church. As clear indications of who's in the flock and who's not. You know, the Bible says that the shepherd knows who's in the flock. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and I know who my sheep are. We're called to give an account to God for who's under our care. Look at Acts 20. This is Paul talking to the church leaders in the book of Acts. And he says, pay careful attention to yourselves, leaders, and to all that are in the flock. In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church, which he obtained with his own blood. Think about this. You are so precious to God. His church is so precious that he spilt his blood out to purchase us back from the dead. And then he appointed leaders to care and love and shepherd and protect the flock. That's how much God loves his church. Right? And that's not, that means this isn't just a flippant matter. This is something that's very, very important and integral and central to the heart of God. One more quick verse 1 Peter 2, uh, 5, 2 through 3. Again, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, right? We're not te- you know, televangelisting this thing, you know, with our private jets, right? Not for shameful gain, not for all the, all the kickbacks, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And That's what I was saying. Like a lot of us have experienced bad authority. What are we going to do about that? Well, Paul and Peter and the church fathers are saying that leadership in the church has to look different from leadership in the world. Never domineering. Ministry can never be domineering. It's not this big controlling kind of a thing. Leadership in the church looks like servanthood. If you want to know what leadership looks like, look at Jesus. How does he lead? At the Last Supper, what's he do? He gets down on his hands and knees and he washes the feet of his followers. In fact, that word, and we say this all the time here, that word ministry in Greek is the word diakonos, Which means to serve. The ministers are the the servants of the church. And we lead by laying down our lives and sacrificing. That's what authority looks like in scripture. I mean, look at authority in the home. Paul talks about husbands loving your wives. How? Men are giving us authority, but is that like domineering? Hey, the buck stops here, lady. You better listen to me. No. What's it look like? He says husbands love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for his bride. We're called to love in such a self-sacrificial, serving way that we're building one another up by laying our lives down. Right? And that's are – we, are we tracking? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm preaching. I'm getting –
2: okay. Woo. Did you just apologize for preaching while you were preaching?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Praise God. That was good.
1: So how do we do – got to find leaders we can trust. And that's hard. That's really hard because I think a lot of us are geared to not trust. How do we know if we can trust people? I guess the first question is, are they serving? Mm -hmm. Are they giving of their life for the church? Are they looking increasingly like Jesus? And I'll I'll just, a quick aside, Kenny and I are going to fail at that. Any leaders in any church are going to fail at that. Mm -hmm. So what's our hope? And we'll get to that toward the end of this. But elders are called to protect the unity, to build up believers, to keep the gospel at the center, to care for their souls. We look at Jesus who submits to the Father, and then serves those who are following Him. And as leaders in the church, what do we do? We look to Jesus and we submit to Him, and then we serve those who are under our care. That's what the Bible says.
2: Amen. So as what we see in the Bible, that the church is this body, it's a covenant community, that a covenant community has leaders that are called to care for and and guide and protect um, the flock, the body. Uh, But then also that community is called to submit to leaders. And this is something that if you read the Bible, if you read the New Testament, you're going to see this over and over. And I want to read a few passages. Um, but there's, there's something that Christians are called to do, which is to submit to leadership, to, to basically play follow the leader, right? Anyone remember that game in school when it's time to make a line? You guys know that? Follow the leader, right? I always wanted to be the line leader. <laughs> How did it go? Were you, were you a good line leader? No. Okay. I let 's talk about that later. Um, here 's a surefire way to make sure follow the leader doesn 't work don 't identify a leader <laughs> right you 're not going to make a line you 're not going to get to go to recess right it 's just not going to work right but, but the New Testament I want you guys to see in one of these verses he just read is Hebrews 13 over and over it talks about Christians and leaders, and the question i 'm begging here is. If we, as a church, if we as a church don't make a mutual commitment to say these are the leaders that I'm following, how are we going to obey what the Bible commands us to do as Christians in general? Mm-hmm. Who are we following? Who is speaking into our life? What direction are we going? And is there any accountability for it? Does that make sense? Just like Vince was just saying, hey, we've got to give an account for the people that we're caring for. Okay, who are we caring for? <laughs> if someone's not going to say, hey, I'm here and you're my pastor – Am I, give, am I still giving an account for their soul? I, I wouldn't think so, but... All right, is that making sense? Is that tracking? I hope not.
1: That would be a lot of people. That would be a lot of people. That would be the rest of the world.
2: <laughs> um, a couple of verses real quick. Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Do this wise so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Another passage, 1 Thessalonians five twelve and 13 says this. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. 1 Timothy 5. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is in preaching and teaching. And I'm bringing those up to say this. How are we as a church going to honor the word of God that we preach if we're not submitting to leaders? And if we're not saying, hey, I'm following the leaders of this church. And I'm believing, even though they're not perfect by any means, that God has put them here for this people to care and pray for me and to lead us into what God's calling us to do. Amen. Amen. If we downplay the importance of membership in a church then it's difficult for me to see how we could take this seriously, what the Bible's telling all Christians to do. So um, a a summary so far really quick. We talked about Christ as the head. Everybody has a head, and Christ is the head of the church, that we're the body, and we're called to not just be here and exist as a body, but we're growing up, we're maturing in Christ. We're, We're called to be built up in love, doing good works, becoming all that God intends for you to be and for me to be. Well, why? Why is it just so Christ can have a good-looking body on Earth? <laughs> no, it's because His body has a mission. Yeah. Jesus has a mission for us, and He has a purpose for us in this world, in this city, and it's best filled out when we are part of His body. Yeah. The church, and we're we're coming to our last point here. Everybody has a purpose. The church, uh, do you guys know that this church is not about us who are in here? (laughs) Did you know it's not about just the people that we see and that are here every Sunday and that are there every week in our gospel communities? New City exists for the mission of God. We exist to, to be a light demonstrating and declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. To be filled with the Spirit and together be on mission to help and bless and serve this city. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, and we're talking about membership this week because we're passionate about it and I believe it's going to help us all grow. But I, I want to tell you one thing that it's not. We're, it's not a country club for saints. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hospital for sinners. Yeah. And the more we're able to get in on the same page and say, hey, this is where I want to be about the mission of God in San Diego, the more God is going to bring in people and say, hey, help, serve, bless them, show them me, show them my body, and bring them in. Amen? Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yep. Membership's not an end in itself, in other words. Membership is a means for the mission of God. God wants to reach this broken city. And he wants to do it through his church. So how do we accomplish that mission? Well, how did, how did Jesus say the world would know we were his disciples? You guys remember what he said? By this all men will know you're my disciples. By your what? Love. love for one another. Yeah, but when Paul's writing this letter, people aren't feeling the love. If you read the rest of Ephesians, like there's a lot of division in the church. The Jews are throwing shade at the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are hating on the Jews, and there's All this division. And so Paul is writing to them and begging them and pleading them, guys, have unity for the mission's sake. There's a watching world that's longing for the love of Jesus Christ embodied in His church. And if we're not living that out, what are we doing? Right? So that's what Paul's saying. And Paul says this, and it's implied in the text we just read in Ephesians 4, but just you got to remember Ephesians is a letter, right? So... If you're reading Ephesians 4, you probably started earlier on in the letter in Ephesians 2, and it's really, it's really expressly said here in Ephesians 2:14 through 18. I got it on the screen. Listen to this: For He Himself, He's talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, okay, was the purpose of Jesus. Listen was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away. He didn't know Jesus. And he came and and preached peace to those who were near. For through him we have both access to the Father by one spirit. Did you see that? Why did God put on flesh? Why did God come into the world in a body? He said his purpose was in himself, in his body to bring unity and reconciliation between us, one another, and us and God through the cross. Jesus came in the flesh, empowered by the spirit to do this. And now in chapter 4 he's saying he's given the world his church, his body in the flesh, empowered by the spirit. To continue his mission. Are we tracking? So this is the mission of God. It's the display of the gospel. (laughs) Membership is for the mission. But here's the last problem today is we're wrapping this up. The mission isn't going to be enough to motivate you. It's not going to be enough to motivate you to love one another. In fact, if the mission, this thing that we're being driven toward, is the thing that's motivating you, you're going to burn out. So what are we going to do? What's going to be the fuel? What's going to motivate membership and mission? The only thing that can is the gospel. Only when you see how Jesus lived this out for you will this come alive for you today. I just want to bring it up, the, the gospel, through those three headings that we talked about. Point number three that we just said is Jesus was sent on mission to embody God's heart. Think about that every day in his flesh. Jesus lived a life we couldn't live. He loved people who were unlovable. For every time you and I have said, no, they're too unlovable for me. I'm done with them. Right? Jesus Christ served those who we would rather just not spend time with. Like, when he got down on his hands and knees, think about who was in the room. There was a guy named Judas. And Jesus washed his feet. How many of us would wash the feet of those who betrayed us? See, Jesus kept, he came, he was sent on a mission to live a life We couldn't live. He served selfish people. He he brought healing and hope. And then point number two that we said was Jesus committed to those around him. Even when they weren't committed to him very much. As they're betraying him. As they're denying him. As they're running away from him. He's committed to them. He gave his best for them. He's more committed to you. Listen to this. He's more committed to you and I than we will ever be to him. Jesus is not afraid of commitment. He committed to us. He loved. He served to the point of giving his own life. Greater love is no man than man would lay down his life for his friends. And then the first point we made, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. Arguably the greatest leader who ever lived submitted to somebody. He told the Father in Gethsemane, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Instead of taking up his life, Jesus Christ laid his life down. Why? Because he loves you. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God loves you so much he sent his son for you? That's the only thing that's going to motivate your heart toward mission and toward membership. Today we sit here. We're made alive by his death and resurrection. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We, We are the body of Christ. We are his hands and feet. Not you. Not me. None of us alone. We are the body of Christ. We're called toward his mission to make disciples just like Jesus. It's our purpose. And here's here's the last point I want to throw up. Our purpose is not just membership or community. Our purpose is to be members of his body on mission in this broken world. And only when you see his love, his heart for you in the gospel, will your heart be warmed and transformed enough and motivated to be able to commit and submit and be sent out on mission. Only when you see his love and commitment to you will you ever be able to commit yourself to him
2: and to his church. Amen? Amen. Jesus died, and His body, he allowed his body to be broken so that when we were brought in, we could be brought together. We who are far out Amen. could be brought in not only to communion and fellowship with God, but we could be brought in to make the unified body of Christ here on earth. And he rose again so that his body, the church, would live forever with him empowered by the Holy Spirit to be about his mission until he returns. The church is the people of God saved by God's power for the purposes of God. We're the people of God saved by the power of God for the purposes of God. Christ is our head, we are his body, and we're here to be sent on his mission here in San Diego and in the world, amen? amen. And that's why today as we're wrapping up, that's why we're excited about church membership. That's why um, we're convinced that, that this whole thing, that rolling out this membership and inviting everyone who, who wants to, everyone who God has put it in your heart to say, hey, I wanna recognize what God's already done. Hey, this is my church. Maybe you're here and you're like, hey, why are you guys talking about this? We're here, we're in, right? Well hey, this is our opportunity to, to make it official and make it formal and say, Yeah, this is here, this is me. Right? And, and we're excited about this because we're committing to each other to grow together and we're committing to say, hey, I want to use the gifts that God has given I want to discover the gifts that God has given me and put them to use here, serving and ministering the body. I don't want to just be a foot out there on the sidewalk. Right? Or a thumb in the chili. <laughs> or a thumb in the chili. Right? Or chicken without the head. Wow, we just brought all those back. <laughs> I don't think anyone here wants to be any of those. But spiritually, I don't want to be that. I want to be useful. I want to I commit to my brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. And so as we're closing out today, I want to challenge you. If you're, if you're here and there's something in your heart that's like, I don't know about that. If, if you're here and you're like, yeah, we consider this my church, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust. I don't know, you know, I would just challenge you to ask God, hey, God, would you help me to desire this?
0: Because
2: we as your leaders are saying, hey, this is a way that we're submitting to God and we're calling the church to submit to God. To say, hey, if this is my church, then hey, let's, let's say it. Let's make it official and say, hey, this is my church. And so I would challenge you. Say, hey, are you submitting to God? And, and if you find that you're not, would you ask God, hey, God, help me to desire this? Another thing I would ask is, you know, we're gonna um, make available some uh, materials of membership. There's like a, a one-page covenant, and there's a, a handbook that you can read through, and, and a lot of the stuff you already know, and maybe some you don't, just about the church. We're gonna be making that available this week. I'd ask you to, to, um, if God's moving us on your heart, to to read that, to pray about, hey, I wanna I wanna join in, I wanna um, become a member here as we do this over the next few weeks, and um, and also if you're here, there's. Just a, a fear of commitment or saying, hey, I don't know if I can commit. I want to challenge you to, to, um, to turn from that and to believe in what God's saying, that you're loved and committed to by God and that there's a church family here and that there's leaders here who want to love and commit to you too. And we're not perfect, but God's going to use us and God's going to use you. Amen? And I believe that when we do, you, we're going to grow more than we've seen. I mean, our church in numbers, but I mean individually. Yeah. We're going to grow because we're saying, hey, this, we're putting a stake in the ground and saying, God, use me here. All the gifts that you've given me, show me where I can put them to use here and bless your body and bless the people of this city. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh Let's uh, end with prayer and then we'll have a, a few instructions for the end. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together with your church today. Lord, I thank you for every person who is here uh, under the sound of our voice, God. Everyone that has listened and and heard this today, I thank you for your word and the ways that you guide us, Lord. I thank you that you give us creativity as Christians to to follow your commands, but you also make things very clear. And Lord, I, I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that that you would make this word clear to our hearts, that today it's not just a sermon and it's not just a lecture and it's not just a tag team preaching about this, but, but God, that, that this would be a call to our church, Lord, to commit to a, each other for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of your mission here in San Diego, for the sake of all the people who aren't in this building today who need to hear about the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would put it in our hearts, Lord, but that at the bottom of it all, what would be a motivating factor, Lord, is that you committed to us, that you modeled this for us, that you loved us so much, God. And so I just pray that you would move on each and every heart, that you would uh, let this word, Lord, not return void, Lord, but that you would do what you uh, desire to do in each one of us in our hearts as we respond to this. Pray that you would bless us in, in this coming days, Lord, as we... Um, think about these words, and think about what what you've put on our heart and on our radar as a church, and where even where you've led Vince and I to repent and say, "Hey, we need to follow, uh, we need to follow God, we need to follow God's word in this." So let's pray that you would bless this time and every person here, and help us to turn our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, that's alright. That's alright. So what we want to
1: do is.